Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of That Digipod. As you know, my name is Depeche, digital product owner here at BT and your host for this session. Today's episode is an amazing one because I'm joined by our first CEO to come on to That Digipod, Mr. Steve King from Black Swan Data. Hey, thank you Depeche, lovely to be here. Great to have you, mate. How have you found uh, the new office? We just have a little chat beforehand. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? And I, I know it's difficult for some people to consider coming back to the office, but what a place to come back to. I know, Incredible. Right? Uh, I know, yeah, you've been here a few times and like this is definitely a change uh, from our old office and it's um, hopefully gonna be a really cool place for everyone to come going forward, so. Definitely an upgrade. Definitely <laughs> an upgrade, definitely an upgrade, right? So, Steve, we're gonna get into your build, measure, learn journey. There's so much stuff for us to go and talk about. But my first thing that I want to ask you is, it's true that you used to be a DJ, right? Before oh, we started, <laughs> before you started the whole Black Swan, you're a DJ. Uh, I, I was. I, I spent three years being a professional DJ um, just after university and ran a little music studio. Um, it's still my love. Um, just probably not as good as it as I was. I don't think I was ever that good at it. Um, at the time, house music was really big in the UK, so we were pushing out DJs all across the world. So I was just lucky enough to kind of ride that wave a bit and nice. ended up traveling, you know, the usual Ibiza, but places like Malaysia. It was just truly incredible uh, couple of years. That's awesome, and hopefully we can tap you up to come to a Digipod event and do a bit of DJ. I would one day, absolutely right? love that. People don't invite me anymore, so I'd love it. I'd absolutely <laughs> love that. That's amazing. Such like a great backstory because how do you go from being a DJ into this world that you're in now? It's, it's a great question. So I, my background was in cognitive science. So I went to university in Exeter. It's cognitive sciences, psychology, computers, philosophy, math. So it's quite quite interesting yeah. degree. So I already had that kind of, and then I kind of spent a lot of time music and, and, and DJing. So I always knew I wanted to come back to AI, but AI, you know, we, at the time we thought, brilliant, give us five years, we're going to be building robots, everyone's going to like, everything's going to be cool, but just nothing really happened. <laughs> you know, we just, we just carried, it was in universities. It's only been the last sort of five to 10 years now where we've seen it being used commercially, and now, of course, it's absolutely huge, you know, open everywhere. So, you know, I don't think, like, there wasn't really much you could do in my chosen field for the time in between. <laughs> so uh, DJing was you know, fantastic. I ran a, and then started a music studio, went bankrupt. Um, then, uh, you know, needed to make some money, so got back into technology, and then just kind of worked my way through different companies and startups over the last uh, couple of years. Um, not without really much of a plan, and just kind of unfolded. So here I am. But that's okay, right? That's um, a really strong message that you tried and you failed, but you went again. And that's, to me, something that a lot of people, I, I wish they would do more of, to be honest with you. If it doesn't work out the first time, you keep going. Mm. And eventually, right, something will, something will come up that you really find your passion about. So just kind of like the black swan story uh, now, Steve, you and your, I believe you're your partner, Hugo. Correct, yes, started, Hugo Amos, yeah. Yes, big up, Hugo. Uh, <laughs> started black swan in a pub in Canada, that is that correct? Maybe true, yeah, that, you've got good research. Yeah, we started <laughs> in a, a pub in Canada, actually, we still have the sort of the back of a bar receipt, which the original idea kind of was scrawled on. Um, and really Hugo came up with the name Black Swan, which is just something we loved, which is this idea that there is data out there that could help you predict things that you could never dream of predicting in the future. Um, and that was really all we had was that piece of paper and this kind of this name. Um, yeah, and that was nine years ago now when, when we started with 
with that and took a couple of years to get the confidence to leave our jobs and to, you know, worked in parallel with things. Uh, but yeah, for the last seven years, then it's been all Black Swan. It's been just an incredible experience to go through. Yeah, that's amazing. So you were doing Black Swan while still working a full-time job. So how how was that process? How did you mentally find it? Because you really, you know, obviously you guys were obviously passionate about Black Swan, wanted to get that up and running, but you had this day job as well. How did you cope during that time, the early days? I'll give you a bit of a preview for Digipod. I probably shouldn't give, but now it's been long enough, I think I can. So there's one, one side of it is, is the obvious side, which is, you know, there are actually, you know, sleep six hours in a day, there's 18 hours in a day. You can get a lot done. You know, if you're really focused, you can get a lot done. You can work for eight hours. There's still a lot of time left to go and get stuff done. So that was really about, you know, really focusing and really making sure we used our evenings and things in the best possibly, uh, possible way we could. Uh, and then uh, there came the slightly gray period where it was like, look, we wanted to start the business, but we got no money. You know, I had a full-time job. This is the exclusive. Uh, and yeah, so I'd, I then just spoke to the company I was in. They were sort of sympathetic, you know, to me working a bit of part-time and a bit for my new company. So we, you know, we negotiated that and it was good for them and it was good for me. The only one awkward experience was that it wasn't really well known in my business that this was the case and that I was working in kind of two lives, if you like. And I remember the first time I went to Disney to uh, to talk with an algorithm we were building there. And as I went up to reception, um, I was just about to you know, say, hello, what company are you from? Uh, one of the guys from the sales team was actually selling to Disney from the old company. <laughs> and he just suddenly turned up next to me. And so this lady was like, oh, so um, and what's your name? I was like, Steve King. And where's you from? And I was like, Black Swan. <laughs> And, he was, and she was like, pardon me? <laughs> I was like, Black Swan, because I didn't want this person to hear yeah. you know, this, you know, the other name. And now, even now, sort of what, seven years on, whenever I go to a, an office and someone goes, where are you from? I can't help it. I'm like, Black Swan. So uh, <laughs> sometimes it can be great the way it starts. And you just have to find a way. You know, if you believe in it, you just got to keep going and find a way and you know, be as open as you can and, and enjoy the experience a bit. Yeah, for sure. It now explains why Millie checked everyone in today, because they can not hear very you good behind the reception. Yeah, not very good at it. They're like, what is he doing? <laughs> no, that's, well um, that's, that's really amazing. And because if some people don't know, would you mind just giving a bit of an overview onto the, what Black Swan Data actually is as a company? I would absolutely love to, it's my passion. So uh, as the name Black Swan is exactly what we do. So Black Swan is looking for data that can predict a future which people can't predict. So at the moment, most of our work really is done in long-term prediction. Um, if you look at product generation for um, CPG, so let's say you know your Pepsi, your P&G, when they are producing products, 84% of products will fail in the first six months after launch, which is insane. So that's only like 16% of yeah. things they create actually hit the shelves and are still there in six months' time. So as Black Swan, that sounds like a difficult, hard problem to go and crack about in prediction. So we're now able to listen to what people are saying on the internet and that's and we say social, and it, yes, of course, it's really important networks like Twitter, which are, which are one of our partners, but actually these little conversations happen all over the internet, on little blogs where people are talking about what they do in their family when they're making dinner, you know, in Korea where someone's talking about the way that they like to look after their skin. Everyone's broadcasting what they want and what they use, and you know, our job is to just go out there and find those little black swan moments that other people don't know about, and then use those to see how well, and predict how well they'd go if they were built, and then that gives our partners the opportunity then to create products they know are gonna win. You know, and they know we're going to be unusual and they know we're going to be great and well used. That's so amazing. So I love that phrase, black swan moments, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. That, that's very cool. And you go, so you can literally listen to what people are saying on socials and take that and harness that data in order to help your partners, you know, forecast a... Exactly right. 
exactly right. Something cool. Yeah. You've nailed it. And where I mean, obviously, being called a company called Black Swan, you have to be very careful not to be too evil around data. So we uh, we only look at public broadcasts. So we're only interested in a in a statement that someone's made on the internet publicly, not in your Facebook page where it's private, yeah. but you know publicly where I've got an opinion. And that's really important if you think about it and the way that you generate products. You want people's opinions that they want you to know. Um, so yeah, we just harness those. We take about 10 to 20 million every couple of hours opinions and we just process them, categorize them into what they mean. And then as we're always a big data, big data beats better algorithms. You know, We're able to just forecast forward. We have years and years of history, so we can have forecasts where that'll be in six to nine months with 90% accuracy, which is just insane. 90% accuracy, that is absolutely insane. How can your prediction model predict something like 90% accuracy? And what's the buy-in from clients when you go and say that this is something that we can, we can do? Great question. So what we used to do, what we used to have to do before we had the reputation and we had the real data is we used to put a little envelope, a little gold envelope, and we used to put in the prediction of what we think was going to work and not work from a customer's product. And then we'd go and we'd just leave it on the table and say, look, we don't expect you to believe us. Just open this in six months' time and it'll tell you whether that worked or not. And then we'd leave it. And it was a killer killer way of selling, except the sell cycle was nonsense, because like, I mean, by the time you onboarded after that, it was a nine months sell. So we then, but over time, of course, we can measure our prediction and measure accuracy. So we're the only company in the world who broadcast our accuracy. We measure our homework every month. So we, we know that last month, you know, six months ago, we predicted this, and we'll measure that we are absolutely right. So that's something which we can share with our customers to give them confidence. We've got thousands of products which we've been a part of now in on shelves and yeah. watching people enjoy them. So, you know, that, uh, over time, the trust has come and, you know, with a little bit of maths to help people on the way. We've managed to get this to be a now a real a real thing, whereas maybe if, even a few years ago, people are a little bit skeptical of those little golden envelopes. I know, that's so cool. Little golden envelopes and then six months later, it's like a magic trick in It is my like mind. a magic trick, yeah. It makes you worry about free will, doesn't it? <laughs> these things are all determined. A little bit, but I'm, I've just moved into sort of a data and AI uh, world Good myself. Choice. I know, Good right? Choice. Um, but I'm still really new to this and I'm still learning. So talking to you today actually helps me a great deal. I would like to just sort of ask you a little bit more about sort of the process mm. in, you know, we talked about giving, you know, the customer that little envelope, but what's the, what's working behind the scenes to allow you to have these accurate predictions. That's not do often people so excited about this stuff. So let me go as quickly as slow as well at the same time. So if you imagine each message you see on the internet is uh, it's written for us. So Black Swan don't yet look at images or videos. We're, we're not sure if that's weird, but at the time, anyway, it's too expensive to be able to process this kind of data. So we just worry about text data and what people say. Um, we can take it in any language, um, and we can take it from any website where we've got a license or we're able to scrape that because of permissions from you know, from the website owner. So first job is connect to that website, you know, get either through an API, sometimes they'll pass that data through an API, sometimes it'll be through a scrape, sometimes it'll just be a log file thrown down into some site somewhere which we need to consume. That gives us all, all that text. We then uh, jump through our language modules who need to understand the language. Some really cool stuff like word de vec where word de vec is, oh, how far is one word away from another word? That tells us how important that word is. So there's hundreds of little algorithms like this helping us understand the context of that text. Um, we have to look at like hard problems like disambiguation. So what's the context of what someone's saying? So if I'm saying, you know, it was orange, am I saying it was orange the color? Am I saying it was orange the amazing mobile network? Um, was, am I saying actually it's the movie orange? Or am I saying it was orange, which could mean something cool? So that <laughs> so then our machines need to understand what the context of that that is. Otherwise it's useless data. And that's 
really where most of our work is, is in that, in that kind of disambiguation or you know, the, the understanding of the context. Then they're classified, so it's like um, we've built a tagging system that allows our AI to understand what a drink is. You know, it understands what a drink is because I might talk about it being the glass or I might talk yeah. about it being thirsty. So we need to train humans like we've got an amazing data set team. They train the machine to like, when you see this, that's what it means. So by now you've got this, it doesn't matter what language, you've got this great stack of information, you know, all in these separate piles. That's really important because what you're trying to get to is numbers. <laughs> Because numbers are, you know, where we can actually work with on, on prediction. And once we got to that, um, we use a lot of natural language processing to, to score things. We're then able to, yeah, just look back two or three years and say, look, this is what the patterns have been. We've seen pretty much every trend you could ever see the shape of. So our machines recognize a trend really early in the shape of it, and they'll project where it's going to go in the future. Um, that would be from how fast it's growing, from the sentiment behind it, um, from, you know, is it jumping from Twitter onto the news and then onto Reddit or maybe Reddit mm. onto Twitter? What does that mean? Um, you know, is it swapping between countries? That's interesting. That's probably quite, you know, that shows that's going to be a good strong trend if it can survive a culture jump. So all of these things are now built into our what we call a TPV algorithm, and that then will tell the, our customers where it's going to be at, at which time. That's awesome. That's so cool. And how do you keep up with the AI trends of this world? Are you always having to evolve your software and your people? Yeah, I'm a really big believer in um, a Bohm spiral. So Dr. Bohm, it's really interesting. You can find them on the internet, it's on Wikipedia. If you imagine a snail shell, um, and in the inside of a snail shell, it's really small. And then as you go around in the circles, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. And what, what Bohm's barrel says, at certain parts, you go through cycles. So one is planning, you know, the other one is obviously building, and then it's reflection. But what he, what he says, which I think is absolutely right, is you have to be not scared to throw it away each spiral. You have to be prepared that all the work you've done might be kept but just as likely won't be kept. Yeah. You know, obviously that gets difficult, you've got to balance then your commercial uh, obligations. But I think if you go into technology with that mindset of actually, I don't, you know, it doesn't really matter. We just need to achieve these objectives and if the technology needs to be changed, it will be changed. Then, you know, then you get this kind of, that's how you keep up. And then, you know, you've got, we've just got been blessed with some amazing people like yourself who are just curious yeah. and just want to go and learn stuff. And then if you can get the right culture in the business that people will go and try things one evening and come back and go, I think we should try this. And suddenly you've got the ingredients then, you know, for an ever-changing, keeping, keeping up to things. And then yeah, we work with universities as well, you know, amazing talents and ideas and try and mix them in. And this big, sort of big mixing bowl really is, is the Black Swan technology team by, led by a chap called Peter Davio who just kind of, brings this all together and tries to keep the ideas bubbling for us. That's amazing. And you mentioned culture there. And if we go back to sort of just looking at Black Swan as a, as a company itself, you have your own set of core values, I, I believe. But were, these were values that you both started the company with that you've kind of evolved over time. And how are you helping to create this you know, great culture that you have? Oh, and one of my favorite topics really is culture because it's so difficult because yeah. you can't create culture, can you? It's one of those things. We were, again, just I feel very lucky and blessed with people. So we did, you're quite right, we started off with what we thought were our values. This happened because very early on we took investment and we had to scale up quickly and we were like, how do we make sure that, you know, 
everyone feels the same. We're going to have good people because we couldn't really, you know, speak to everyone who came in the business anymore. Um, so we came up with some ideas that we thought the important values and we presented them one day to the business. Then we took everyone out. We could and then got more drunk and then, you know, we all came <laughs> back the next morning and everyone kind of, you know, we sort it down and then some were like, this is ridiculous about doing that. And there were some really tense battles about what's more important. We forced there just to be six because we didn't feel there should be any more, any more than it's difficult to handle and, and police. Yeah. And that's where the beauty was because you're prioritizing then the thing that are important to you as humans. And then we got to the ones we have now and they do change a bit. You know, every couple of years there'll be a tweak. Um, but to be honest, you know, we, we live by them now. We, you know, when you, when you meet people in Black Swan, you can pretty much tell they're a swan, like, you know, pretty instantly by the way they are and the way they act and you know, the way that they, you know, they respect each other, but also just a little bit crazy um, and want to do things. So it's been an amazing, yeah, it's, it's been a really important thing to get right um, in order to get the product stuff right, in order to get like, um, you know, to make it a great place to work as well. Exactly. To create a world-class product, you need people and culture. And that's kind of the basis which we started this podcast around, to be honest. It's brilliant. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. Do you have a favourite sort of value that oh. is yours or that really means something to you? It's hard um, to pick a favourite because there was, you know, those last six are quite hard to get um, to right, do anyway. There are some which are more used than others. So like, for example, 10% crazy. It's really, for us, it's really important. And every so often we'll get someone saying, we can't do that anymore. It's not good for mental health. Um, but actually we've stuck with it because what we're trying to say is that it's okay just to be a bit weird or it's okay to have, you know, a crazy idea that's accepted in Black Swan to be a bit off the wall sometimes. And it's also, it's okay to be who you want to be. Like, we really do not care. We care about your mind and the way that you, you know, you're treating others. So that's one which I think is um, really important. The one which is, I think, most difficult for the company to to understand and live by with the commercial constraints a company has um, is that, yeah, we, we say that 60% of your hours when you're awake are spent at work. Um, and so you've got to make sure that you make the most of those. And that's, for me, is quite an important one because it's a scary fact. Right? You know, at some point, I'm sure maybe, hopefully in 200 years, if Elon Musk has his way, but at some point we'll be sitting looking back on our life and, you know, and, and concluding it. And just when you, you ask yourself, did I do something with it, which I'm really, really proud of? Well, 60% of that time will be in your work. And once you know that, you take, tend to take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, for sure. I think... The work and personal life are so now meshed together, especially with working from home and yeah, everything well that goes in between, right? You, mm. need to, you need to really enjoy what you do and find, find passion for that. And something that I'm interested, you touched upon it there, Steve, was how have you measured this success? How have you measured, um, let's go into you personally, have you ever had a what we call a tada moment. Have you ever been like, do you know what? I've, this was cool. I've made it here. Have you enjoyed that moment? Oh, I made it moment. Um, there's a phrase which I never really understood, maybe to the last year or two, which is uh, treat success and failure like the imposters they are. I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, and I think, but over time, I've got the last couple of years, particularly, I've begun to understand it. Like we had really bad times in COVID at Black Swan. Um, you know, the whole company took pay cuts, so we didn't could let people go. They were, these are dark, dark times. Yeah. Now, were they the bottom? Well, you know, in some ways, yes, but never. Like now, we're at a completely different part of our of our life where we're fundraising and we're coming to the end of it, and it's great. You know, we're Get it, we're popular and we're growing at 100%. So those, those things are really important. They all have different moments on you. But what I've learned is like you absorb them, you take them in, and then you go home for the weekend, you switch off, you come back on Monday and you start like they didn't happen. Even if they were brilliant, you celebrate them all week and you love them. 
and you go on the weekend, come back on the Monday, they didn't happen. If they're really, really bad and you don't want to get up in the morning because they're so bad, you just take the weekend off and come back in Monday like it didn't happen. And that's been the most important thing, I think, to build resilience over the years, you know, for good or bad things, just accept them as they are, temporary. Oh, for sure. I've I've had to learn that probably the hard way myself uh, right. when I've had a, like a good moment before I was always taught growing up, you know, be relentless, forget mm. about it, go again. And it's only the last couple of years where I've been, no, I'm going to enjoy this moment right Strange, now. Strange, isn't I'm, it? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't last forever because, yeah. you know, when you hit the mountain top, you know, you will come down, even though when you're up, it, something will pull you back down, doesn't matter where it is. So, That's yeah, really well great, said. great yeah. advice for anyone who's um, listening to this. And um, if we talk a little bit about the commercials, as you've also sort of previously mentioned, of uh, measuring uh, those successes. Do you use things like OKRs or goals? How do you measure the sort of success on a business perspective? Yeah, great, great question. And it took us a long time to get this right. So, you know, when I read the first uh, OKR, but where Google won, not the first one, which you know, like, I was like, this yeah. seems easy. Like, hey, guys, we're going to do OKRs. You know, it took us three years. The first one, we at least got some kind of objectives. And then the second one, you know, we almost got to OKRs, but they weren't really cross-functional. And then, you know, finally now we're in this world where Black Swan is really OKR-led um, and built around OKRs. That's been incredible. And it's not, the measurement's important because it allows us to, you know, know we're going in the right direction, but it's more having shared objectives between different departments in the company. It's so easy to close the door when you're a department, you're a skill, you know, and, and, and fit, just fit around your own people, but not work with others, you know, with different skills in the company, like the product is you know, so important for, for products. So OKRs are really important. And we just have three, you know, we obviously have our ARR, which is our license revenue, which is the important, most important commercial driver for us as well, as long as we're not spending too much money getting it. And then we have at the moment three just OKRs, which are company-wide, which we're just focusing on which really drive our you know, four to five year mission. And yeah, they work really, really well. It takes a long time to get it right. Don't, don't get like worried if you try and get OKRs yeah. right and they don't work. Just keep trying because they are brilliant when you get there. It's a completely different world. That's awesome because I've I've tried it myself over uh, many different products and you know sometimes we got them right sometimes we get them wrong and again you go again next quarter or you go again at the end of the month and you learn from your mistakes so that is absolutely amazing and I want to get onto your uh, sort of learning phase right now what have been sort of the key learnings that you've taken from building Black Swan up throughout the years. Oh, you've got great questions. Uh, so um, weirdly, a lot of the lessons have come from people I've met on the way and not necessarily things um, I've learned. So um, I'm first time CEO. I was a software engineer before I came to this. So there's been a lot of skills I've had to learn about running a business. I wasn't very good at it for, for a long time. You know, I've learned how to deal with boards. I've learned how to fundraise. I've learned all these things I didn't really know and have no real idea how to do. So they've been really interesting. But the people on the way have taught me the things now which are most important to me in my job. And one of my favorite moments, I'm Welsh, which means like you cut me and I've got rugby balls in where I should have, <laughs> I should have had for blood. Um, and I met Warren Gatland, who was at the time the Welsh coach and is in Wales, you know, it's pretty much God. Um, so meeting him in Japan and having 20 minutes with him because he couldn't get away from me and um, waiting for a plane was like weirdly one of the um, most important leadership things I ever went through. Um, and one thing he said to me, which has just really, really stuck with me, was just uh, success is over achievement. Uh, again, I didn't really know what he meant when he said it, but I've started to live it a bit more over the last couple of years, which is, you know, you, of course you aim high because, right, we, we want to do it, right? We are, we're angry, we're hungry. Yeah. But actually, as long as I get at the end of it, I can say, actually, I succeeded more than anyone else thought I would. That's a success. 
And I've lived by that much more now. I've got a lot less worried about if I don't make their lofty goals, as long as I can inside myself and I can look at my team and I look at and go, we did better than anyone thought we could do. That's enough. And then repeat. And if yeah. you keep doing that, you go in the right directions. I think that was one, I think, which is really helpful to me and helped me worry and not worry about, the, um, about things. Um, and then most of the others have been people. You know, we're all humans. And just learning how to, you know, learning how to try and get people to work together, learning when, how to deal with disagreements, learning, you know, just learning to make the company work and it be a great place. There are so many lessons. I could talk to you for hours. I know, um, right? But it have been amazing to, to learn. That's so cool, Steve, because you've, I loved it, gone from software engineer to CEO. There's definitely a book you could probably write about the lessons <laughs> you learned, I imagine. Yes, or mistakes I made is probably the, uh, the more accurate ones. <laughs> well, yeah, you go. But if you could go back and you could talk to Steve in 2010, whenever Black Swan was just about to start, what would, what would the piece of advice that you would give yourself be at that, at that stage, knowing what you know now? Well, it depends when you ask me that question. Ask me two years ago in the middle of a pandemic, I would have sat Steve Jr. down and gone, Steve, don't do it. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. But ask me now, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's get up and go. Uh, I, I think really is just to, to like, take the opportunity that we have. I mean, we didn't have the phrases like 60% of your waking hours would be at work at that time. So we didn't understand that back then. But what I didn't realize is how lucky I'd be to go through some of these opportunities. You know, and I, I just sometimes wish when I go back, I just like, there are moments I wish I'd stopped and just kind of taken it in a bit because they were just so unique you know and when you put yourself in a in a place of risk in a place of journey you'll have experiences which you never expect and like I think if I went back to this Steve I would be like you know just make sure you take them down write them down you know enjoy them take five minutes I don't meditate but just like think about things and yeah and just like and, and just enjoy the moment a little bit more because sometimes I look back it's just been like Ooh. But like just incredible and so yeah I want to I'd, I'd say to younger Steve like take your time take it in Take your time, take in. That's good mm. advice, really good advice. And unfortunately, we're sort of just coming to the end of uh, this edition of that Digipod, but I just want to talk a little bit more about Black Swan Group. What's the vision for the next few years? What, where do you see the company growing and what's uh, coming up? Oh, thank you for asking. So um, we're currently fundraising, so I'd like to close that quite soon so we can get on. Um, the next four years, we are trying to improve our prediction accuracy, and we're looking at predicting actual sales numbers now rather than what people are talking about. So it wouldn't be great if we can say that, you know, um, there'd be a, a market for oranges would be three billion pounds in a year's time. So that's where we're trying to take the, uh, the technology. And then, yeah, just continue doing what we're doing in the way we're doing it now until we're ready for a, a public listing. Um, I've always believed that if we could get to a place where we can get loads of capital, that Blackswin itself could start making predictions and making its own bets on products rather than just helping our customers. So it's a lot of work to do. Yeah, a little bit of work to do. And you're also still part of the BT Technology uh, Advisory Board as well. And I just want to say, having someone like you on that board as well gives me like tremendous like hope and um, enthusiasm for our own business as well, because you've got loads mm. of people there you can can learn from, right? You've, you said before, there's loads of great people on, on that board. It is the most in incredible board. And, I, and I, I do remember when I was first asked, so I'm a BT customer and like, you know, I've known BT my whole life. So of course I took the call, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to, you know, go into this gig with BT. And I met Howard Watson, um, only had a half an hour. Within half an hour, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to be a part of what BT are doing. Uh, it's an incredible position where you find yourselves at the moment with all the talent, you know, all the technology, you know, that you, you're funded in the right way. And 
and you're ready. You know, you've done it before. You will be at the leading game. So there is absolutely no way I'm not taking the chance of being on this board. So it has been an incredible experience to be on it as well. I mean, you guys have got such an exciting few years. I'm really proud that I can be on the journey with you. Amazing. Looking forward to seeing what we can do together. Also looking forward to keeping you informed on my own data. And looking forward to it as well. I'm really looking forward to hearing it, Debesh. Amazing. So, yeah, Steve, thank you so much for coming on to this episode of That Digipod. It's been amazing to listen to your story and just the progression of Black Swan has been absolutely phenomenal. Please, everyone, go check the company yeah, out. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. So, uh, Steve, yeah, thank you so much for coming on to that Digipod. Hopefully, we can do this again soon. Uh, a big shout out to the Digipod team. I think this is brilliant. This is great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, Steve.